Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and this is the first record of 2022. So I'm very excited today because we are talking to our friend Andy Solemn all the way from Florida, and we are going to get into our Journey Part 2 episode. I think we're calling this Journey Part 2 the Steve Perry years, even though he was included in the Greg Raleigh years. This era of Journey is strictly Steve Perry on lead vocals. So we're just going to call it, for lack of a better name, Journey Part 2, the Steve Perry years. And please welcome and a happy new year to Andy Solemn. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Pat. So it's early morning for me. Well, it's early morning for both of us. It's 6 a.m. for me, 9 a.m. for you. That's right. Was it hard to get up at 9 a.m.? New Year's Eve weekend? No, I, I'm an early riser, just like you, I think. Yeah, I'm an early riser too, uh, but I could have slept in. I think I could have slept in today. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a napper. I'll take a nap. So no, no big deal. I'm excited about this. Now, we're not only going to cover the period from Escape to Trial by Fire, the Journey albums. We're also going to fill in the gaps of what the other band members were doing during this time, because between 86 and 96, when Journey wasn't active with Steve Perry, there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a lot of stuff going on even during the heyday. These mm -hmm. guys were really busy. It's crazy. But we will, of course, start out with. Is this their biggest selling album? I think it is. It, it went nine times platinum. Um so except for the greatest hits compilation, I think it is. And it was also their only number one, I believe. And I believe Rolling Stone magazine gave it a two star review. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely aged a lot better over the decades than than that review would imply. For sure. And of course, we're talking about 1981's Journey Escape. Greg Raleigh has left and Jonathan Cain of the Babies has joined the band on keyboards and he was handpicked by Greg Raleigh, mm -hmm. what we know, because the babies were opening for a journey on tour. And uh, what Jonathan Kane brings to the band is some songwriting ability, because the uh, the combination of Kane, Perry, and Sean, or is it Sean? I always forget. Is it Neil Sean? Yeah, I, I think it is Sean. So we'll, that's what we'll call him. Uh, Kane, Perry, and Sean, very strong songwriting. I mean, just amazing. These three guys really clicked. Yeah, no, no doubt. He definitely had a lot of key songwriting credits on on this, and of course, uh, you know, other subsequent albums as as they went along. What did you think of the um, choice of "Who's Crying Now" as the first single? It's a five minute song, which is kind of a little long for a single back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's kind of like a mid tempo. It's not really a ballad. It's not really right. a rocker. It's kind of so, a, yeah, it's a moody mid-tempo love song. It's a moody mid-tempo song. <laughs> Perfect. But, um, and it's a Kane and Perry song. They wrote it together. Uh, Neil isn't even involved. So um, I don't know if that was a discussion. I don't know if Neil wanted 
you know, one of the singles to be a song that he co-wrote because he pretty much co-wrote every song on here, but, but two of the singles, mm-hmm. but I, I love who's crying now. I love that song. And yeah, uh, it's good. And I love this album. So to pick a single off this album, I mean, obviously from what we know now, don't stop believing is the song of this mm-hmm. album. It's the most downloaded or streamed song of all time, I believe. Yeah, I think for for a good while it was the it was the best selling digital track uh, of the 20th century, at least. I think it may have been eclipsed in the 21st century, but yeah, I mean, it, it still gets played everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's funny yeah. too. It's that rare song that I do not get sick of. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, yeah um, I I would agree with that. You know, and and this the song fascinates me too because it's. First of all, like you had mentioned about who's crying now, it's it's a little long for a single. It's it's four minutes eleven seconds. The the chorus doesn't hit until the last fifty seconds of the song. Yeah, they they, they go through almost three and a half minutes, no chorus, which is a, a, a very interesting uh, template for a single. And they only say "Don't stop believing" four times in the whole song. You think they say it, you know, fifteen times? They only say that phrase four times. It is not a traditional way that you might put a song together. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Maybe that's maybe that's what makes it so special. Maybe that's why people love it so much because that chorus isn't rammed down your throat constantly. And uh, mm-hmm. and the verses are great. It's such a positive and uh, uplifting type of a song. I'd love to play it for you, folks, but we're saving that for the playout song. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, but yeah, who's crying now? I love it. What about you? Yeah, I think it's good. I, I I really like Neil's guitar solo on it. It really shows off his his melodic um, talent, which is what he brings to all, all the Journey songs. But it almost uh, it just like the title implies, it almost cries that that guitar solo would be here the way he bends the the notes and it fits the uh, the theme of the song. Yeah, and Steve Perry's voice is so good on this song. Just from the first from the first line, it's just terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and this is really, I remember when this album came out, my uh, my friend Scott Hallbritter, he he purchased it. I hadn't heard it yet. I think I'd heard one Who's Crying Now on the radio. And I went over to his house and we like played it like, I bet we played it like start to finish like five or six times. And we just, uh, we kind of couldn't believe what we were hearing because it, it did really sound different from Departure. Mm-hmm. It re- yeah. For me, it really did. Like it, it felt like it was something I had never heard before. I, I don't know why it felt like that in 1981, but it did. And it has been my favorite Journey album ever since. I mean, sometimes your favorite Journey album isn't, or any album, your favorite one isn't the best one. But I, uh, this is my favorite album. And I, and, and, there's, and I don't even like every song. There's one song I do not like, which I'll talk mm-hmm. about later. But it still is my favorite Journey album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if you take away some of the fatigue, factor with some of the songs I, I think it is too I, I it's my favorite I, and I do think it is their best album too um you know track for track I think this is they really knocked it out of the park with this one it's been a mystery Taste of bittersweet 
That's a little bit of Who's Crying Now. All right, Andy, what is the first song on your list from Escape? I, I picked um, what might be my favorite song on the album. That's kind of hard to pick, but definitely my favorite favorite deep cut off the record, which is the title track. Never heard to get any radio airplay, but um, I, I this this is almost two songs. It has like the first part of the song is one one track, and then they have that bridge, and it goes into a completely different different song. So that's what I think is is really cool how they kind of um, meld the two different songs in, into one. song great and ross valerie's bass throughout that you can just hear it just thumping throughout that whole track sounds so good yeah i mean this uh this line of of the band is fantastic ross valerie on bass steve smith on drums and of course uh, neil steve and jonathan kane i mean i mean this is the classic lineup right mm-hmm. i mean i consider yeah. this the classic lineup other people might consider a lineup with greg raleigh to be the classic lineup but this this is the most commercially successful lineup for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, no doubt. You know, they just kill it. And I saw this tour and I also saw the Frontiers tour. So I feel very fortunate to have uh, gotten to see those two tours. So that's what I'm bringing to the party. <laughs> um, my next song from Escape is which track is this? It's track two. What a great track, too. Yeah. I mean, just- that that opening guitar riff was because that 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 was one of the first things I, I learned to play on, on guitar when I was kind of learning as a kid. It's just that opening riff is just it just rings out. Love it. And let me uh, I was going to start at eight six seconds in, but I'm going to change that and I'm going to start it right from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall those were the best times, most of all. In my head, where the blue jeans go, burning love, come once in a lifetime. She found me singing by the trees, took me home. Ross Valerie on that song for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, that, this album, I love how this album's produced too. Producers were Mike Stone and Kevin Elson. I like I like an album that's very. Uh, this sounds weird. It sounds like a slight. I like an album that kind of sounds sterile sometimes. That sounds so crisp 
mm-hmm. and clear, like where you can hear the vocals clear and like nothing's muddy about this album. Everything they almost it's almost like surgery. They went in there and they wanted it to be so precise. And and I don't mind that. I like it. I like that it sounds like that. And I love no, the way Steve's yeah. vocals sound on this album. Yeah, it's it sounds fantastic. It still sounds perfect to this day to the ears. It's just definitely held up with the production. And then when we get into the next album, for me, the production is not quite the same. But we'll talk about that. I'm jumping ahead. Uh, Andy, your uh, next track and our final track from Escape is is lay it down. Lay it down. Now, Andy, we talked a little bit about me not liking every song. And I forget what you said. Do you like every song on the album? Um, let me take a look here. Yeah, probably uh, maybe one of the, I wouldn't call it weak because I still like it. Maybe Dead or Alive mm-hmm. isn't, isn't one of the stronger tunes on the record. Uh, maybe Still They Ride. That's the uh-huh. one for me. Still They Ride. I mean, I, I won't skip any song in this album, but Still They Ride is the one if I, if, that isn't my fave, mm-hmm. but everything yeah. else is cool. Yeah. And I, I think too, as, as we were kind of preparing for this series into journey, I, I think this is maybe one of their heaviest albums too. If you look yeah. at, you know, keep on running and, and uh, dead or alive, lay it down, escape uh, stone in love. I mean, it's, I think one of their harder rocking albums. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that was uh Jonathan Cain's songwriting. I mean, again, Jonathan Cain and Steve Perry, they have a co-writing credit on every single track on this album. So who knows? But uh, I agree. It, it definitely rocks top to bottom for sure. And again, this was released in July 31st, 1981. Now, before we jump to Frontiers, which is released in February of 1983, there is some stuff that happens in between these two albums. Uh, a lot of stuff was uh, a lot of things were said at the time, like in 1984, when Steve Perry did a solo album, not sure the band members really liked that he did that, but Neil Sean makes two solo albums between escape and frontiers. He does two albums with, uh, I think it's Jan Hammer. Is that how yeah. you say it? Yeah. Jan Hammer or Jan Hammer. Yeah. They do. Uh, they do an album called untold passion and they do an album called here to stay and here to stay is the one that got uh, some airplay with the song, No More Lies.
Now, Andy, do you think this uh, this song could have been on a Journey album? Maybe not with Steve singing. Maybe yeah, maybe singing. Yeah, that that would have been interesting. It's a killer song. I mean, that guitar riff and so uh, good. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite tracks in the '80s. Um, I just realized too, doing research, that it's co-written with um, Glenn Burtnick, who uh, I I became a fan of his solo work in the late '80s, and of course, he later replaced Tommy Shaw on Sticks. So that, that was interesting. Yeah, and Glenn's written with um with Patty Smythe and and John Waite, and yeah, he's he's great. I like both of these Sean Hammer albums. They're not they're not Journey, but they have a uh, they have some good tracks, mm-hmm. you know, here and there. So, but um, this song especially, you know, this like has a, this would have been a huge hit, I think, if it would have been a Journey song. Yeah, I think so too. And then backtracking a bit, something came between those two albums. It was a, a Kenny Loggins single that I've played many times on the show, and it's so good. It's Kenny and Steve singing Don't Fight It with guitar by Neil Giraldo of the Pat Benatar band. And let's hear a little of Don't Fight It to fill in the gaps. I mean, another just killer track from the 80s. Yep, no doubt. I never get sick of that song either. And then, of uh, of course, Steve and Kenny were also on We Are the World. There's so much stuff happening between 81 and 86 in the Journey Camp. It's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Just a ton of stuff. So, Andy, we're going to move on now to the next proper Journey album. Again, February 83, and we get an album called Frontiers. I didn't talk about the cover art for Escape. I love the Escape album cover, and I do not love the Frontiers album cover. Yeah, they they went away from the, the, the Stanley Mouse uh, artist duo that they had used so well and went with uh, Jim Welch was the artist for the cover, made that kind of alien astronaut. Yeah, I, I do not they, like it at all. And I wonder, I wonder if this point, if this is Steve Perry's idea to move away from because he starts to get a lot of uh, a lot of power in the band because mm-hmm. he's the lead singer and he's proven himself and he's a great songwriter. Uh, and I don't know that's this to be true or not, but it just seems weird that now they would move away from uh, from that look. And um, yeah, just not a fan of the album cover and escape. I love that, that album cover, like much like the Boston albums with the guitar. That's uh, it's a spaceship. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I believe that they could have done something with the title frontiers using the scarab spaceship, just something, mm-hmm. something right. that have been, you know, a little bit con- more connected mm-hmm. to escape, but maybe they didn't want that. Maybe they wanted something totally different. So frontiers, what do you got for us, Andy? I got uh, the uh, last song on side two track called Rubicon. Burning you the one who hates Make a move across 
sounding good. Steve's voice sounds good on that. But again, for me, there's something about his vocals on this album. It sounds like there's a filter on there or something. It doesn't sound, they don't sound as crystal clear as they did on Escape. Do you find that or is it just my hearing? Um, yeah, I, I don't really find that. I mean, definitely, you know, the early 80s had a production sound. So they probably were trying to get whatever was the newest recording technologies and and stuff um, rather than the more, you know, analog sounding things from the 70s, which Escape probably was a little bit of a holdover from the from the 70s production yeah. style. This is um, I've mentioned it many times on the, on this show. This is not this album is not aged well for me. Like I don't like we just played Rubicon, which I would tell you that this I, I for me, side two really falls apart. I remember I was in college when this album came out and side one was played constantly people rarely flipped the album even people that had it on cassette would just rewind side one because it's such a monster separate ways sender my love chain reaction after the fall faithfully those were all singles i believe or, or mm -hmm. video songs yeah yeah they were so yeah, they really in the in the age of uh and were, were cds out then not yet right no not yet no. But uh, they really front-loaded side one of this album. Mm -hmm. and uh, Yeah, I, 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 I would agree, although I, I, I do disagree with you on, on side two. I, I like side two. I mean, um, obviously, back talk is the, is, is, the weak, is the weak dog on the album. Although sure is. Neil's guitar solo is pretty ripping. It's a rocking tune, but it's definitely the, the, the dog on the album. But the rest of side two, um, I, I like. I mean, Frontiers is a little, a little iffy, the title track, but the rest of them... I think are, uh, I think are good, you know, they're darker, uh, more harder edged journey songs, I think. Yeah. I just don't know why. I just don't know why those last four songs never, never really worked for me. And uh, it could be the reason that I said earlier, maybe side one is front loaded so much that I just always listen to that and never, never really listened to side two as much as I should have. But the song I picked and I only picked, um, I only picked, Oh, I forgot a song. I wanted to play the song Only Solutions from the Tron soundtrack. Mm. That happened in 82. I'm just going to put it in here right now, Andy. It's also okay. a bonus track on the remastered version of Frontier. So here's right. Only Solutions. Back in the day, you could only get that song if you bought the Tron soundtrack. Yeah, it was, probably on vinyl. Or, yeah, on vinyl. And it was, um, you know, it's nine songs of incidental music just to get uh, this one Journey song. Mm -hmm. um, there was no digital download and there was no single released. But uh, uh, I do like that song. I do love that song. All right. I only picked one song from Frontiers because the other song I would have picked, you picked. So we'll hear that in a minute. But I'm going to start with the first single 
and the first video. And again, this single is five minutes and 24 seconds long. Wow. So kind of ballsy to release separate ways, worlds apart. Here it is. Great choice for first single on that one. Oh my God. So good. I ne- again, another song. I never tire of it. Steve Smith has these drum rolls in this song that are just fantastic. When I saw journey the last time and it was with, it was with the escape lineup, but with, uh, but with Arnell on vocals, Steve Smith's drumming just was not the same as it was on these albums. Like it just didn't have, the power to me. I and I love Steve Smith, but mm-hmm. it just it just wasn't doing it for me live. I don't know what. I mean, maybe age always. You know, the drummer starts to go first because it's so physical. Sure. But I was right. disappointed with his drumming live the last time because I was so excited to see. Oh, this is the escape line. This is as close as we're going to get mm-hmm. without Steve Perry coming back, and it was just okay for me. Frontiers. What's the first track you have for us? I've got uh Edge Oh, you already Blade. played Rubicon. Yeah. Okay. This is the problem with my cognitive skills at 6 a.m., Andy. <laughs> and uh your second song, Andy, from Frontiers is I went with Edge of the Blade. Great song. So yeah. good. So, so good. The separate ways video is not, uh, is not held up well, but in 1983, when it came out, I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought I, it was so cool. It, and it was, uh, you know, for me, you know, going in, into adolescence journey was my, like my first favorite band post, you know, 12 or 13 years old, you know, kiss sure. was when I was eight, nine, 10, but right. Um, so they were my favorite bands. So seeing them with a concept video 
you know, on MTV, which was hot at the time, was was really cool. And and yeah, I mean, I, I probably thought it was a little cheesy even then, um, but I certainly didn't mind it. You know, the, the, the video only cost five thousand dollars and it, yeah. it it shows. It's it's funny, like a video like separate ways, like there didn't seem to be any direction as far as what the band should wear. They I mean, Steve Perry had gained a little weight. He's kind of packed into these mom jeans and he's got a sleeveless T-shirt mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't really have the guns to wear a sleeveless T-shirt and he cut his hair. So it's yeah. kind of doesn't look as cool as the super long hair looked. And, you know, Jonathan Kane has a tweed jacket on, I believe. I mean, it's just it's kind of insane that mm-hmm. they showed up. It almost looks like they just showed up and it's like with whatever they had on. And that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. It's def- definitely ripe for parody as as it's been. Uh made yeah. fun of multiple times over the decades for sure. And, um, and then they stepped up production a little bit on the, on the subsequent videos from this album. But uh, yeah, this album's another monster, a nice follow-up to escape because uh, you know, they kept, uh, they kept the singles and the, the record sales and the concert ticket sales up. So, um, but the big thing that's always talked about, about this album is there's a couple of songs that were recorded at the same time that people always say, man, if these songs would have been included on this album, instead of maybe Backtalk and Frontiers, Mm -hmm. would this album have been as big as Escape? And those two songs are, first up is Ask the Lonely, which was released on the Two of a Kind soundtrack, which starred Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. So let's hear a little bit of Ask the Lonely. And then the other track is, of course, Only the Young. We don't get to hear this till 1985 when it's on the Vision Quest soundtrack. And at the time, you know, we didn't know that these two songs were recorded at the same time as Frontiers. We just assumed they went into the studio and, uh, you know, recorded a new song for right. a new soundtrack. So right. here's, uh, here's Only the Young.
I love both of those songs. Fantastic. Yeah. I think second only to Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane being left off of Sgt. Pepper. For, for me, these are the, the dumbest, you know, um, <laughs> album decisions to not put on a record. Uh, yeah, and that might sound insane to some people comparing those two songs to the two Beatles songs, but I agree with you. Ridiculous. And Only the Young actually gets released by Scandal first. Mm, 1984, right. the Scandal version from Warrior. That's probably the first time you heard that song, maybe. I don't know what the mindset was to hold those uh, those songs back. And there's another song. It's on the Time 3 box set. There's a song called All That Really Matters that was recorded for Frontiers that Jonathan Cain sings. Another song you brought to my attention, Andy, for the show today is Neil went off and did an album with Sammy Hagar. It was a live album of all new material. They wrote, they wrote eight or nine brand new songs, but instead of recording a studio album, they recorded a, a live album, I think over a couple of nights. They called the band HSAS, which stood for Hager, Sean, Aronson, and Shreve. Right. And uh, the song you chose, which is a killer, is called Top of the Rock. This is a cool album, but it gets lost in the shuffle of the Sammy solo albums and and the Journey albums. Yeah, it's definitely one that's um, a lot of people tend to forget about, but it, it's a killer record. It's, you know, hard rocking, and uh, I think their version of um, "Wider Shade of Pale" got some rock radio yep. album play as, as along with uh, "Top of the Rock." And it, it, I mean, for a live record, it, I mean, it almost sounds like a studio album. I mean, yeah, it's almost hard to tell that it's live. It's just recorded uh, really well. And I believe there was a, I believe they showed the uh, HSAS concert on uh, MTV. I'm sure it's on YouTube. If you look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you're mentioning it, yeah, you're right. And I think that they made a couple of them into, into single video clips too. Yeah, exactly. When chicken foot came out, I wish they would have just called it Hager, Satriani, Anthony and Smith. Cause they could have yeah. called it HSAS again. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right, moving on. Are we done with all the journey stuff uh, until we get into this Steve Perry solo album? Yeah, I think we, I think we hit all the songs that we chose. All right, 1984, Street Talk. Steve Perry makes a solo album. I don't think the band's happy about it. Um, maybe I'm just making that up in my head. But um, the thing about this Steve Perry solo album, Street Talk, is I feel like he did something different from Journey. I think he leaned into his Sam Cooke and some of his Motown leanings. And there's a couple of songs on here that rock that could definitely have been Journey songs. Maybe, maybe all these could have been Journey songs. But like when Lou Graham did a solo album, I just felt like it was like just, I felt it was like Foreigner, just maybe mm-hmm. a little harder than Foreigner. And I do think that Steve tried to do something a little bit different with Street Talk. How do you feel about that? I, I agree. Yeah, definitely had more of his. Um, Motown influences, uh, more, you know, softer rock type type sounds for sure. And what's the first song you picked off of Street Talk? And we did not pick, neither one of us picked O'Sherry. Right. Good song. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. I, I went with uh, maybe my favorite song on the album, a tune called Captured by the Moment. LA Motel. Yeah, great song. Just love it. I love all the mentions of uh, past artists that have uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, good, good songs. I keep wanting to backtrack uh, with Journey. I want to mention that um, when Jonathan Cain was in The Babies, uh, he sang a couple songs on both of the albums that he was on. And uh, on the earlier incarnations of Journey with Steve Perry, Greg would sing sometimes and Neil would sing sometimes. But once Escape started, they were all in on just Steve being the vocalist. Mm-hmm. And the thing that made me think of this is talking about the Jonathan Cain song that was also recorded for Frontiers, that they uh, they just weren't willing to, uh, or maybe Steve was not willing to share the lead vocal spot with anyone else. So Yeah, and, and you know, they, they had had so many hits at that point, they, maybe they didn't want to... F- put, you know, fill the album up with a, a track not sung by Steve. Yeah, and I mean... You know? How ballsy is it for Jonathan Cain to even want to sing a song when you have Steve Perry in your band? Yeah, well, that's I true. mean, it's there's always these bands where the vocalist is so great, but then someone else in the band wants to sing a song. And I'm always just like, why? <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. All right. The first song I chose off of Street Talk is I Believe. Stop believing that all our hope is gone. Cause I know that there's a reason and why we'll 
definitely some Motown going on in that song. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this album sold 2 million copies, was released in April 1984. So, uh, I mean, Steve Perry was getting ready for this to be a summer album. I mean, he releases it, you know, late in the spring. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a trick. I, I mean, if you're a band member, I can see how you'd be like, why aren't we recording a new album right now? Why is Steve doing a solo album? But, but that's what happened. And it puts the band on hiatus for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your next song off of Street Talk? I went with Go Away. Maybe Steve felt he wasn't using his voice the way he'd like to within the context of journey songs. Cause journeys it's either it's you're either rocking or it's a ballad mm-hmm. for the most part, you're rocking. And he did get to do uh, some different stuff. Definitely on this album. Um, before I play my next song, how do you feel about street talk? I think it's a pretty good album at, at the time. I, I, I liked it, I think, a little more than I do now because uh-huh. Journey was my favorite band, so I, I sure. ate up everything that they did. A couple of the singles, I never, I wasn't real a, a huge fan of a couple of the singles, and I think the ones, the song you did, you played, and the two that I chose, I think would have been re- really good singles. Um, so I think they could have gone a little bit deeper with this album. Um, but yeah, there's probably about about half of it I'll, I'll probably still play to this day. With with the other half, I don't have probably haven't listened to in quite a while. For me, this will sound this will sound uh, strange to some people. I actually enjoy this album more than I enjoy Frontiers. Hmm. I really do. I really, even when it came out, I really loved this album so much. So uh, I don't know why. Who knows why you like stuff, but you like it. Now the song I picked is probably is it the rockingest song on the album? Strung out. Could be. That was the, uh, I think that was the fourth, fourth single. They released yeah. four off this album. Yeah, they did. It was uh, O'Sherry, Foolish Heart. Uh, she's Mine. She's Mine. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of, she. I don't like She's Mine that much. Yeah, that, I think that, I, that definitely could have replaced that one with um, yeah. Go Away or I Believe. Yeah. But here's Strung Out. Yeah, I think the four songs that we played off of Street Talk, I really think we hit the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Let's uh, let's move on. It's a couple of years between Journey albums. And do we have any activity between this? Let me make sure. Checking my timeline. Nope. Nope. We move on to Raised on Radio. Yeah. Now, this so, is the re- yeah, I mean, this this is the album where Steve really, um, you know, his um, his dominance really kind of reigned with this record. He he only agreed to come back if they canned Ross Valerie and Steve Smith, uh, changed the album title, changed the artwork. They um, um, insisted that Herbie Herbert decrease his his percentage, and he produced the album. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, so and and. They start because Herbie Herbert had all the album titles planned out and they were always going to be one word titles. Mm-hmm. And Steve put the kibosh on that. This, this album's called Raised on Radio. And I got to be honest, I really enjoyed the one word album titles. Mm-hmm. Much the way I enjoyed Asia having titles that began with an A and ending in an A. They did that, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, they stopped doing it quickly, but, uh, there were so many album titles. I, I wanted an Asia album called Alaska. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I could see such a great Roger Dean cover photo with polar bears and snow. And I just think that would have been amazing. So mm-hmm. that's something I wish for in my head. Uh, Cause I'm a weirdo, but um, raised on radio. Yeah. Steve produces it himself. Uh, the band photo, they all seem to have perms. Um, it's just uh yeah, I, I mean, I just uh, raised on radio is tricky. I like yeah. it more now, I think, than I did then. And they kind of tricked you because the uh, the lead single was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the lead single is definitely classic journey. Sounds like something that could have come out could have come off of Frontiers or, yeah. or something in between. Well, let's just uh, let's play that first. Uh, Andy chose it, and it's "Be Good to Yourself." album cover artwork for this album is done by drummer prairie prince of mm-hmm. the tubes yeah i thought that was was interesting um that's that radio station and was was modeled after uh kngs in california which is parents owned uh was, steve perry's parents owned. yeah that's, so there's that's, another thing he's ramming steve perry down our throats yeah changed the title from freedom to raised on radio and uh yeah like i said it's uh 
he's definitely exerting his his power and control. They hey, look; those guys were really fearful of losing Steve Perry. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, after a two million selling solo album, I mean, and again, this comes out two full years after Street Talk came out. Yeah, I don't really like that album cover. Do you like it? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it fits the the, the album title, but I, again, I think if they would they they could have kept the original title and you know the original type of art that they had done historically, I think would have been nicer. What if they called this album just Radio, and then they have that scarab spaceship coming down out of the sky like it's going to crash land right into that radio station? Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. Now, who's playing? Who's playing bass on this album? We got Randy Jackson. Uh, we, yep. we we later know him better from American Idol. Mm-hmm. Bob, yeah, he 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 had played on Frontiers. He played the bass on uh, After the Fall, so they had had a little bit of studio experience with him, and then uh, also brought in Bob Glob as the other bassist. And then drums, we got a couple of guys. Steve Smith is on three tracks. Then Larry London, who I believe played on Street Talk, and then. Um, Mike Baird ends up being the uh, the touring drummer. Mm-hmm. Mike Baird's kind of a husky dude too. Yeah, yeah. I'm always shocked when I see a husky dude be t- behind the drum kit. But mm-hmm. did you see any of these early Journey tours? Or were you too young? I, I did see this tour. Uh, first time I saw Journey was was raised on radio. And was it great? Yeah, it was good. I was uh, super excited, and uh, yeah, they had their a lot of neon colors and. Uh, Full full uh, mid eighties was was on display there. Yeah, it was great. I don't know why I didn't go to this one. Maybe I was maybe I was mad that Ross and Steve weren't there. Uh, let me see. My first song off of Raised on Radio is the song that kicks off the album. It's "Girl Can't Help It." If she could show- Now there's Steve bringing a little bit of the Motown into and mixing it up with the journey. And uh, mm-hmm. I like that song. I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a great song. It's one of my favorites from the record. Yeah, me too. I mean, this song, this album has 11 tracks and there are ones that I do not care for. Let me make sure you didn't pick either one of those before I uh, lay the hammer down. Yeah, pr- probably not. <laughs> no. Okay. For example, Track two, Positive Touch, does nothing for me. Yeah, I, I'll tend to skip over that one. Yeah, I skip over that one. And let's get to your next song, though, before I keep going. Uh, yeah, I picked uh, maybe my f- definitely top three song on the record for me. I went with the title track, Raised on Radio. Yeah, I agree. I love this. Uh, I love the referencing of all the, uh, all the song titles in this. I, I really dig it. Raised on Radio.
I think they missed the boat too without having doing any proper videos. I mean, there's two live videos that eventually get released, but I mean, a video for be good to yourself or to Razor and Radio would have been fantastic. Yeah, I think I read that Steve didn't really like doing the videos. He didn't like, you know, how he looked and and how he came off, which, you know, seeing them, you can kind of understand maybe why he felt that way. Um, but yeah, that's they were done with filming conceptual videos and just put together some live clips. Again, that's uh, that's Steve Perry saying I'm done with the videos. Mm-hmm. Very strange. All right. Let me uh, let me play my next song. Then I want to go through this album track by track and just uh, uh, you and I will give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I bet we're on the same okay. page. Pretty close. My next song is a song I really like on the album. It's uh, Suzanne. like Suzanne. Yeah, it's a catchy tune. Yeah, it's a fun one. All right, let's go through these. First up, we both like Girl Can't Help It. Yeah. We both don't like Positive Touch. Correct. Uh, We like Suzanne. We like Be Good to Yourself. And then uh, Once You Love Somebody. I think it's pretty good. I don't, um, it's not one of the top tier songs in the record. I think it's okay. It's, I, I wouldn't skip it. Yeah, I give it a sideways, but I, I yeah, wouldn't skip it either. Uh, the next one I would skip, though, Happy to Give. Yeah, it's, it's just the lyrics and, and the little happy to give. It's yeah. just so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a skipper. I'm going to use this word that I don't often use. It, it's a turd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just not, I just, yeah, I just, it, it does nothing for me. Yeah, uh, side two kicks off with Raised on Radio. We both love it. Uh, I'll be all right without you. Nothing yep. wrong with that. Great song. It could have been you. That's that's a that's a middle one for me. It's yeah, it, it's, it's okay. I like the um. I think I think it has a good bridge. I, I I find that's the best part of that song. But um, yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah. Uh, this is one I do not like. The eyes of a woman. That's another. Um, that's a skip track for sure. That's a zero. And then they close it out with uh with a good song. I love uh. Why can't this night go on forever? Yeah, it was a pretty decent hit for them. Um, it's not one of my favorite of the Journey ballads, but um, right. But uh, yeah, it definitely fits right in with with the record. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely, I'll be all right without you. Is is a better ballad, or but mm-hmm. I guess that's more mid tempo. And the only song that really gets played live now is "Be Good to Yourself." I don't think has ever been out of the set list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they did add Suzanne. Um, a couple years ago, within the last several years, and they're looking at Journey set lists and they put Suzanne in there, which um, surprised me a little bit. Yeah, that, that is a because I would think if they were going to add one, maybe it would be, you know, one of the ballads or maybe even mm-hmm. Girl Can't Help It. But I mean, so many Journey songs to choose from. It's it's tough to put together a set list that's going to appeal to everybody. Right. All right. Now, this is something that you didn't include on your set list. So we're going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. 
1987, uh, there's no journey happening after 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 Raisin Radio. I don't know what did they did they call it quits? Did they just how did it ha- what happened? Yeah, I think we just didn't hear anything. Um, and they may have they may have, you know, quote unquote, broken up or they didn't say anything you know, to the press or anything like that. So we were just kind of quietly uh, they kept pumping out singles, you know, and into into 87. And I think they went five singles deep on this one. Yeah. So the rest of us are just kind of oblivious, thinking, you know, everything is fine in the journey world. Yeah. You're just like, wait, they must be working on that new album. Mm hmm. Uh, cause again, when there was no internet and you just had to rely on your, uh, circus and cream and Rolling Stone magazines, you didn't really know what was happening with the bands you love per se. You only knew what they wanted to let you know. Right. But this has always been my theory in 1987, Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane help out with a singer named Michael Bolton's album, the hunger. They co-write yep. a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play on the album. And looking back, I always wondered if Neil and John knew that Steve was out and if they were trying to maybe get Michael Bolton into Journey. Mm. That, that's interesting. Um, I, I was working um, uh, record retail at that time. So when that Michael Bolton album came out, we played it in the store Um and there's definitely um, those songs that they uh, wrote with him um, definitely have a journey, a journey feel to it. Um, there's a track called um, it was, was this was uh, the hunger. Is this the album you're talking about? Yeah, there's a, I have two queued up. I have uh, maybe you're thinking of one of these wait on love or you're all I need. Yeah. Those, those are the two. Yeah. And especially um, you're all that I need. I mean, that's, that that's a journey song. Yeah. Let's hear it. Andy, it's so much of a journey song that the band is Neil, John, Randy Jackson, and Mike Baird on drums. That's who wow. plays on this song. That was the yeah. current lineup of Journey plays on You're All I Need. Yeah. Um, also, I believe Neil, I believe Neil might even be in the video for sitting on the dock of the bay. I, I, yeah, I, I think he might have been. How about I because I believe he play he plays the solo on that. Mm-hmm. Let's play this other song. Uh, Wait on Love, again, it was uh, written by Bolton and Kane and could possibly be a journey song.
what does that voice sound like singing separate ways? I wonder. Yeah, that, that would have been interesting to to uh, hypothesize on now. Yeah. So that was always that's always just a, a, a conspiracy theory I had in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up Neil then releases a uh, a solo album in '89 called Late Night. I don't have a track from that. I don't. I don't even know if I. I think I own that album on vinyl because uh, I was hoping to get Neil's autograph at one time, but I don't know if I've ever heard that album. Yeah. I don't think I've, it's his solo album history is very quiet. You know, you don't really, even journey fans like us, like (laughs) aren't aren't even necessarily aware that he put these records out. It's uh, because I always just felt like these were mostly going to be instrumental albums, which doesn't appeal to me that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I never, uh, went after those Neil Sean's solo albums. And I could be wrong. There could be vocals all over that album, but, but anyway, journey is still laying low. There hasn't been a, another Steve Perry solo album. There's not a journey album, but there is a super group because I think Neil and Jonathan Kane are bored. So we get bad English in 1989. Yeah. And uh, I was happy to get bad English because I was a John Waite fan and I was a journey fan. And, uh, you know, this took three parts of the babies and uh, put it with two parts of Journey. And then uh, the drummer, Dean Castronova, he ends up being in Journey. So this just hits the sweet spot for me. I, I love I love this album way more than I love Raised on Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this definitely was. Uh, uh, I was definitely excited about this. I, just like yourself, I was a big fan fan of the babies too, and, and Journey and, and John White. So yeah, I, I bought this. You know, if not the first day, the first first couple of days of its release for sure. Yeah, the first track that you picked has always been one of my favorites off this album. I don't know what it is. It's the I don't know if it's the music or the lyrics or, but everything works for me. And the song that you picked is "Don't Walk Away." Punches always your clown. Do you remember when we used to paint this town? Red, gold, green, and blue. If you still believe in me and you don't walk away. Yeah, that song just gave me a chill, as music often will. I, I just love it. Yeah, that's a great song. I think it should have been a single for sure. I think it should have been a single too. And yet the single is a number one song. Yeah. Written by Diane Warren. It's uh it was it's all over radio in 1989. You can't get away from it. You don't want to get away from it. It still holds up for me. I just love it when I see you smile. Sometimes I want to give up, want to give in. I want to quit the fight. And then I see you, baby. And everything's all right. Everything's all right. When I see 
I think this is something that maybe Steve Perry would never have done, which is to sing a song solely written by an outside writer. Yeah, that 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 could be. And that's okay. It's okay if you want to, you know, to write your own songs. That makes sense, obviously. But there are there are some great tracks on the Bad English album. And uh, what's your next one off of Bad English? Our next track is another ballad. I think this album did really well with their ballads. Uh, I went with Possession. It it does do great with the ballads, and yet every song that's not a ballad is really heavy and rocking. Mm-hmm. gets the solo all over the place on this album yeah and he definitely i mean he's he's one of the most melodic lead guitarists i think in rock history in terms of him and you know maybe dave gilmore and uh brian may maybe but other than that i mean just in terms of melodic solos that you can whistle and sing they're almost songs to themselves and i think sometimes because i think even though they're in the rock and roll hall of fame and they have a star on the walk of fame um, I still think Journey sometimes gets uh, short shrift on some things. And sometimes yeah. Neil isn't uh, is overlooked a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. not by his peers, but um, because he's fantastic. Yeah, he, he really is. He's, like, yeah, he is. Sammy Hagar said about working with Neil Sean, he said, the thing about Neil Sean is he will just solo for days. Like you have to tell him, dude, you got to. Yeah. Okay, I think uh-huh. we got it. I think we got it. Um I picked another ballad off of the Bad English album. This is Price of Love. This house is not a home without you. It takes two hearts to share. Price of Love. I mean, again, I love this album top to bottom. I really do. Now, there's still no journey activity happening. So what are we going to do? We're going to do another Bad English album. This has also got to have Steve Perry wondering a little bit because his bandmates just had a number one single. And they have a multi-platinum album. And John and Neil probably feel pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're probably feeling confident like, hey, Maybe we don't need 
Steve Perry. Maybe we, uh, maybe we're able to do stuff on our own. Um, also, I did see this. I, I saw this uh, Bad English tour, the first one. I saw them twice on this tour. And um, they did not lean into the ballads at all in the set list. Hmm. Like, I think they only played When I See You Smile and every other song was the rockers. I don't even yeah. think they played Price of Love. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and uh, I went with a, a friend of mine who was a girl and she loved the ballads on the album. So she was quite disappointed mm-hmm. that only one was played and probably yeah. near the end, maybe even might've been the encore song. So I would have to look that up, mm-hmm. but uh, they totally leaned into being a rock band. You picked a song off of, uh, we'll close out Bad English with, you picked a, the first single off the second album called Backlash. I believe by the time this album was released, the band had broken up. Yeah, and that's, I, I mean, fall of 91 was when um, Soundgarden, Nirvana hit, Pearl Jam was out, Metallica Black Album. Like that was a huge fall for rock. And when this record came out, I mean, even I wasn't interested in it as like, <laughs> you know, the bad English journey fan. I, 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 I was working record retail at the time too. And when it came in, we played it, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't as into this bad English record. Yeah. It was, it was over. And as far as bad English was concerned in 1991. And yet I still, for me, again, both of these albums, I love every song, every bad English song ever released. I love, and this is a, this is straight to your heart. Great song. And that album was produced by Ron Nevison. I never understood, though, why this couldn't live on the radio next to Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, in the I always I always talk about the 80s, how eclectic the radio was. You had Michael Jackson and Prince and Madonna right next to U2 and Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. and Journey. I mean, it seemed like when grunge came in, radio stations felt like they had to change the format to only be that kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Better or worse. We're going to fill in more gaps because we still don't have a Steve Perry album and we still don't have a journey album, but some of the members of journey that were the members that were kicked out, Ross Valerie and Steve Smith, they hook up again with uh, Greg Raleigh. And they form a band called The Storm. And I'm going to play this song. I've got a lot to learn about love. And if if someone just said, this is Journey, you might think it was. Yeah. Let's hear it.
that's uh, Kevin Chalifant on vocals, correct? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, Chalfant or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Management was Herbie Herbert, and that was produced and mixed by Bo Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he, was, um, he was a hot producer at the time. Yep, yep, with Rat and other bands. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's not Journey, but I enjoy the two uh, Storm albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, as a fan of the of the classic journey sound escape kind of frontiers era before kind of Steve took over. It has that, that sound. I, yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of songs in this album that I, I really like um, even more so than some of the more latter day journey songs. Yeah. Um, and definitely with that, that lead singer. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a ringer for Steve Perry on the, the, the ballad show me the way. I mean, it's, I mean, it's journey. I mean, the, it is. Yeah. And um, it's, um, I wonder if when uh, when Steve wasn't coming back, if they considered bringing Kevin in as the vocalist. Yeah, I'm surprised that they never, you know, never did consider it unless there was a particular reason he didn't want to do it or, or something was going on with him personally. But yeah, I mean, he's he was a he was definitely a ringer for the band. Um, I agree. I agree. Next up is. So the bad English isn't uh, isn't happening. So Neil. And Dean Castronova, they hook up with a band called Hardline. I believe Neil was dating the sister of the two brothers from Hardline. Mm. I think that's how he got in the band. I, I can't pronounce their last name. It's uh, Johnny and Joey Gioli. Mm. Is that right? This yeah, I don't a, know. This is a this is an Italian uh, band. Um, so Hardline comes out, produced by Neil Sean. The album's called Double Eclipse. I believe it's the only one Neil's on, Neil and Dean. And uh, they had a, a minor hit with this song called Hot Cherie. That's a cover song to a band called, I believe they're called Street Heart, maybe from Canada. Mm-hmm. Originally did that song. Um, I like that song a lot, but this, this, I remember buying this album and I was wildly disappointed. I don't know. I was, I thought this might be bad English too, but not. Yeah, this, yeah, this record didn't do anything for me either. There's a song on this album called Everything. That's written by one, two, three, four, five, six. It's written by seven people for this one song. Mm. It's Neil Sean, Jonathan Kane, the two Gioli brothers, Eddie Money, Mark Tanner, and Tony Marty. I don't even know who that mm. is. And um, this, uh, this song doesn't make a blip on my radar. Mm-hmm. seven guys yeah. writing one song uh, yeah in with that, with that pedigree mm-hmm. yeah i mean 
what did it, what was, what did these guys individually bring to this song? I, I just, uh, I don't get it. All right. There's another, there's another storm album. And then finally we get the voice of journey comes out with an album called for the love of strange medicine. And as a journey fan and as a fan of street talk, I'm totally psyched for this record. Uh, how did you feel prior to hearing for the love of strange medicine? Um, I think at that time I, I had moved on a little bit from some of that kind of music. Um, but um, again, I don't think I was working record retail at the time, but um, yeah, I mean, I def definitely was excited to hear it. Um, and I got to say, I was disappointed in this record. Um, it's not a record that I, that I go back to and listen to or haven't, you know, listened to for a while. It's a, it's a real downer of a record. It's just, it's just so one note to me. Every song is just like right here. Mm -hmm. um, we picked a couple. I mean, we obviously definitely, I feel picked the best couple of songs from the album, but yeah, I think I listened once or twice and then I was done with it. Mm -hmm. And every few years I'll go back and put it on. It just doesn't catch fire with me yeah, at all. No, no. Yeah. You know, when Steve Perry has full control, I just, I, I don't, I, I think those three guys need each other. Mm -hmm. Kane, Sean and Perry are, uh, are a powerhouse together, but yeah, left to his own devices. This does nothing for me. And what's the first song you picked, Andy? I went with the single, uh, reach number 29. It's called You Better Wait. There's just, there's no layers to this album at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it, and the, the, the production isn't good. It's just, it's too, it's too glossy and doesn't have a lot of dynamic to it. Yep. His voice has a little rasp there on that song. For me, what song did I choose? The, the songs are long too. The song I picked is a six minute song called mm -hmm. Somewhere There's Hope. If I'm being honest, I don't even really like that song. I just like that chorus part where he gets the high register and we have the background vocalists. Yeah, for I bet I only like two songs, maybe three songs on this album. What's your next one? I went with Stand Up Before It's Too Late. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
remember when this album came out the singles were released on like um cd singles but they would have like four bonus tracks mm. so there were like uh six or seven songs that didn't end up on the album and i would buy those cd singles thinking well maybe these songs are good mm-hmm. and it would just be more of the same mm-hmm. and it looks like these songs were all written by committee like whoever his studio band was everyone got a writing credit on these songs, which is nice of Steve Perry. But, um, you know, when I see five or four or five guys that on the songwriting, it's just, that's like a tip off for me. Same if I see like five people wrote a screenplay, I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is going to be awful. Right. But, uh, the album went gold because there were obviously half a million diehard journey fans that went out and bought this immediately just because, uh, of the name alone, mm-hmm. but, uh, and he did a tour. He toured with this album solo tour. I did not see that tour, but you can find clips on, uh, YouTube. And it, it looked like that was a pretty cool tour. Had the super long hair. I thought he looked yeah. great. I thought he looked yeah. great this mm-hmm. time period. I thought he looked amazing. He was, uh, thin and had the hair. And that's the two things that Mike Siegel says you need to stay a rock star. <laughs> um, All right. So this album doesn't do anything. And I think he realizes that it's time to put journey back together. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And I believe he's the one that reached out, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. I don't know why I think that. Was that in the... uh, Maybe that was in the behind the music. Maybe Jonathan Cain says that Steve called him up and wanted to write songs Mm -hmm. again. Steve realizes that he made a mistake getting rid of Ross and Steve Smith. So this is now the classic lineup. It's a, it's a reunion. This is going to be, this is amazing because uh, I'm ready for it now in 96. I'm ready for journey again. Mm-hmm. 10 years since raised on radio, they get uh, producer, Kevin Shirley, who uh, had just worked with Aerosmith, I believe on the nine lives album. And, and they, uh, they go in and they record Trial by Fire, uh, an awful album cover. Yeah. Just awful. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't yeah, get this random. album cover at all. Yeah, R- random bits of oddities and things all kind of mishmashed together. 
Yeah, and they have a they have like an infinity sign on there somewhere, which is kind yeah. of a callback. But for the most part, they needed they did need a better album cover. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, and uh, this comes out October twenty second, nineteen ninety six, and they release. I believe it was like a double A side CD single with a message of love and um, and when you love a woman. And I really liked both of those songs. I was uh, I was psyched for this album. Let me hear what your first song is off this album, Andy. I took uh, Can't, Can't Tame the Lion. All right, here we go. There's a lot of tracks on this album, but since there was no Journey album for 10 years, I was okay with a lot of tracks. I just didn't know they were going to be tracks that I would skip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Colors of the Spirit. <laughs> and um, what uh, what's another one here that just doesn't... One more. That's the second track. I don't... I can't even recall that at all. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's a. How do you how did you feel about this album when it came out? I mean, I I liked the first like you mentioned the first single, "Message of Love." I, I liked it, didn't love it, but at least it kind of sounded like you know Journey, especially with the you know the the prime lineup all back together again. So I was excited about the record, but yeah, with you know fourteen tracks, two bonus cuts, um, it's definitely bloated. Um, sounds very samey like all the songs kind of sound the same if you if you listen it, it's a slog getting through this record it is it, it is it's uh what's the running time on this thing uh 71 minutes mm. it's uh uh yeah uh, i think they're nominated for a grammy though for when you love a woman and they do uh mm-hmm. they do a proper video for when you love a woman and it's uh, it's simple. It's exactly what they should have done. It's just like them in the studio, but uh, and then some s- strings come in, and and again the band looks great. Steve looks great, and um, and I liked when you love a wo- when you love a woman. I love that a lot. But I'm going to play "Message of Love." A lot of this song, in parts, is very reminiscent for me of "Separate Ways." There's just mm-hmm. things in this song that I hear that sound like they've uh, like they've uh, plagiarized themselves. But here's a message of love. Oh 
if uh, if this album was 10 songs, I might rate it much higher. Mm-hmm. And and if I could choose which 10. Right, right. Uh, what's your next song, Andy? I, you know, because I don't like this album very much, um, I, I had a hard time picking a second track. Yeah. I, I actually went with with um, um, a Japanese only bonus track as well, as one of the stronger tunes on the record. It's, I went with, you know, you know, which which tells you everything right there. Uh, it's a track called I Can See It In Your Eyes. Now, at the time, even though I didn't like this album, I sought out the Japanese uh, version which probably cost 30 bucks at the time. And I purchased it. And this song is one of the best songs on the record. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? Okay, here we go. I can see it in your eyes. Great tune. Yep. It's a yeah, rocking, it's, it's, it's a rocking song, which is something this album so desperately mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, of the Steve Perry albums, uh, this, this has got to rank last. Um, yeah. Because for, the, um, sure. even if I like the same amount of tracks on this album, as I do on raised on radio, the raised on radio songs are just better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really just, there's really four songs I like on this album, maybe just four. And, but this is one of my, this is my favorite song on the album, without a doubt. I've always loved this song. I played it on the show many times before, and this is Forever in Blue. I just love it. In Yeah, this um this second track on the album kills the flow of these first five songs because me- you get rid of one more and I'm I like message of love when you love a woman if you should break your heart and forever in blue I mean I if you get rid of one more I believe the album starts out strong but then mm-hmm. it it falls apart pretty quickly yeah yeah I'm anxious to hear what people think when this episode drops people that might love this album but mm-hmm. uh, among journey fans i never hear anyone say they love this album yeah i mean i i think it's i can make a case for it being almost their worst album and that includes the pre-steve perry years <laughs> right and the post post steve perry year I, i've liked some other post steve perry albums better than this record oh well we'll we'll get into it in part three yeah. but i the album arrival i love it and uh that's just a tease 
I think it destroys this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's it. That's Jer- That's where Journey leaves us. And then I remember that even though I was lukewarm on the album, that was okay because they're going to go on tour. Mm-hmm. 100% going to go on tour. And then that all fell apart. And I just couldn't believe it that we waited yeah. 10 years and then it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Steve, Steve gets hip surgery, which cancels the tour. Uh, Steve Smith doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. Steve Perry's not going to be there. So he, he bows out. So yeah, it, the album kind of came, it, everything just quickly crumbled after that. Yeah. Did this go platinum even this album? It, it went one time platinum just, just once. Which is still amazing in 1996 journey has a platinum album, but um, yeah, just a, just a disappointment. And then, uh, and then a couple of years later, we get the uh, amazing behind the music and we find out that no one likes Steve Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least, at least not at the time. Mm-hmm. None of them have anything good to say about him. And then I believe Steve says like, he felt he was never really part of the band, which I forget which, which member thinks that's insane mm-hmm. because he was calling all the shots. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably why they felt that way is because he would say say things like that. Yeah. The other thing is uh, Steve Perry still owns part of the journey name. So when they tour, he makes money. Yeah. Every night they go on stage and bust their ass. Steve Perry gets a check, which mm-hmm. is good business on him. Mm-hmm. But that's just crazy. Crazy. So. Andy, this was fun. I'm actually really excited for the next part. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's because some fun, fun things to get into. There's some fun things to get into. And we'll, we, uh, we'll even talk about um, what Steve has released in this time period, which is minimal, but we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you rank these albums? Rank these, not just the Journey albums that we just talked about. Where do you rank them? I think I've got uh, escape number one. That's pretty, pretty yeah. easy. Um, this, Cause it's really only four. It's yeah. uh, so escape number one frontiers two, and then raised on radio three. And then uh, definitely trial by far is, is dead last. So basically the order that they were released, the, the quality diminishes. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's true. Um, I would make, I would, uh, it's so far. Like I can't, even though I don't love Frontiers, I can't put raise. I can't put either one of those other ones above it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though maybe I like a couple songs, maybe my three favorite songs on Raised on Radio, maybe I like those better than my three favorite songs on Frontiers. Who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, that order is right on the money. You hit yeah. it. Uh, of course, that's that's it. So I don't know what uh, I don't know what journey has in store for us in 2022 but um but whatever it is we'll be talking about it uh andy do you want to promote anything where can people find you are you on instagram are you on twitter um i'm pretty much just on twitter uh my at is feck 999 it's f-e-c-k 999 i'm pretty active on there uh obsessively tweeting about music yes yes so if you if you Love music and you want to follow music people, definitely follow Andy. We're at Rock Solid Show. You can go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the show. It's 2022, so I got to promote the Patreon page. 
patreon.com forward slash rock solid podcast. I was sad to wake up today and see that I lost four Patreon supporters in 2022. So come on, people. I work hard at this Patreon thing. So, you know, get in there. Two bucks a month. It's nothing. And you could win a prize. Andy, how are you on Journey right now? If Journey comes to your town, do you go see them? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I, I think as 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 I'm getting, getting older and as the band's getting older, um, yeah, I think I would. I think they were supposed to come through last year, but then that that got squelched. So, uh, and then obviously, if they are, are paired together with a nice, you know, complement of other bands, then uh, yeah, I probably would go see them. And what do you think the concert situation is going to be like in 2022? You think it's going to get back to normal in 2022? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say it does. I mean, it was looking like it was going to last year. And, and, it, and in fact, it, you know, it did. I mean, I, I went to some shows and um, it was looking good until about, you know, two months ago. And um, I don't know. It's yeah, you can't predict. I saw a couple shows, a handful of shows and, you know, wearing the mask indoors isn't, um, isn't fun. I'll do it, but it's not, it's not, it's just different. And um, so, yeah, I don't know what 2022 is going to hold either. Let me ask you this while we're talking about concerts. What was the best concert you saw in 2021? I only saw one concert in 2021, and it was about two months ago, and it was Caroline Jones in a very small club. So you only saw one show in 2021. You yeah. thought you saw a few, but no. I, I thought that I did, but now, now that I'm looking at it... Um, it must have been sporting events I was thinking about that I went to. All right. Yeah, I just, just went to one. So uh, at the time of this record, it's, this is January 2nd. I'm going to be interviewing Caroline Jones in two days. And so uh, that's kind of cool. And I saw you post about it. You said it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Cool. I'm excited to interview her. I guess my the biggest one I saw in 2021, definitely the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Because I was just... Uh, Again, not shocked, but just amazed at how good they still are at that age. And again, singing the Journey catalog is different from singing the Rolling Stones catalog. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, but Mick still does a fantastic job. They all did a great job. So that was my number one for sure. Okay, Andy, the playout song is obviously going to be Don't Stop Believing." You can't get away from the song. Uh, do you have any stats? for me on this song do you have anything for me um yeah i think other than some of the things that i mentioned before about just kind of being um an oddball you know without without the core sitting until those just those last you know 45 seconds or so it's been covered you know multiple times by multiple different artists you, you still hear it uh, at stadiums and new year's eve things i mean heck the band just played it the other night on the uh dick clark's rock and new year's eve so Still holding up. Andy, thank you for joining me for part two of our journey, our journey through journey. <laughs> have, a, have a great 2022. I'll be seeing you and I'll be talking to you. And with that, everyone, please enjoy. Don't stop believing. Took the midnight train.
took the midnight 